Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I'm your host, Matterall. Today, we're going to talk about Northern Coalition and Initiative. They've been rivals over the last two years, and it looks like a new front is opening in that long rivalry. We're also going to talk about CSM Summit and how it just ended, and we're going to check in to see what kind of mood everybody was in when they came out of there. Of course, Brangita is happening. The MER report is out with some interesting findings. And we'll talk about stuff going on in the South as well. I want to say hi to Carneros. Good morning. And Elise Randolph. Hey, happy to be here. Great to see you guys. And today we have Jurius with us. Hey, everybody. And for guests, we have from the initiative, Pando. Hey, hey. And Dark Shines. How's it going? And from the CSM and Northern Coalition, Killabee. Hello. Great to have you guys with us. Let's actually start with the CSM Summit, because I think that just wrapped up a few... Oh, God, what was it? Um, when did that wrap up? On Well, the last meetings were on Thursday. I left on Saturday very early morning. Wow, so that was really a couple days ago. Okay, uh, Killabee, what, what happened there? What can you tell us? I mean, most CSM already tweeted um, that they thought it was a very good summit. Even the ones that have been on the CSM for longer were very happy with the outcome. We did touch on, which I was extremely happy about, we did touch on some very important stuff um, that we consider important, like the economy, the over, the, the really big economy, yeah, and also um, capital balance, which is great. And what, what you know, we've touched on those previously, but um, this time it really felt like CCP cared because for both um, big talks, um, we had pretty much all of the EVE leadership attending as well, uh, or the CCP leadership rather. And um, they, you know, it really seemed like they were listening. They took down a lot of notes. They asked a lot of questions. They were really engaged in the conversation. And that makes me very optimistic that uh, they seem to be high priority problems for them as well and that they'll do some stuff in that regard. So that's what it felt like to me. Um, and obviously, the CSM Summit is always a bunch of fun, too. It's, uh, it's exhausting. Uh, it's just meetings from Monday to Thursday, from the morning to the evening, pretty much. But uh, usually, we go out to bars afterwards and hang out with some of the devs in private. You know, they Some of them usually come out with us to bars, CCP Rice, quite often, and uh, some other people. And it's always a very fun time. Uh, what strikes me as funny is they uh, they have these long meetings all day long, and then they still go and hang out with you guys at the bars. Yeah, I mean the the bars are always a very nice setting to talk a bit like uh, off the record, so to say, because all the meetings and everything are being recorded, and you know, so that it's all sort of business. But when you do it in the evening in the bar, you can basically just speak your mind. You don't have to really, you know, you don't really have to care about what you say, you literally can just say whatever you want and uh, can have some more sort of, uh, yeah, private stuff. Just, you know, talk to the devs personally is always good. So I like that. So I think you're not the only one that's been optimistic. We've heard from a few other people. And help me out, guys, here. Jurius, you said that Suetonia was pretty positive and um, we know that Aerith... Yeah. Uh, even Aerith was positive about the condition that CSM is in after it's been repaired over the last three years. Yeah, I have to say, also seemed uh, really positive. Sorry to cut you off there. I have to say that I'm really, really excited about what's happening under CCP Man Burn right now. 
things are looking really, really good. At least you were saying? I was saying Jin Tan also seemed uh, really positive, and he's been on the CSM for, for quite some time. So as Killaby was saying, he's one of the people that's been there for uh, for quite a few terms. Yeah, from what I heard, Jintan and Brisk both were actually uh, pretty optimistic. I think anytime a group feels heard, they are pretty optimistic. So uh, I guess the working relationship between CCP and CSM is in a good place. Is that fair to say? Yes, very much so. All right. And I think um, my intuition tells me, and so do many, uh, I won't call them leaks, but just people uh, giving information, one of the things that was discussed was the overall path of uh, EVE Online. I'm assuming they're going to be making some major announcements here at the next uh, big EVE meet, which will be Evesterdam. Uh, is that March or May? Yeah, March 23rd to 24th. Right. So that I expect... Uh, pretty much one month out. You write that down. So I expect there'll be some announcements there. All year long, they're going to go on tour. CCP will going to what is it, five or six different locations. Um, you can find those on Facebook uh, or CCP has a world tour page. And every one of those, they'll probably be making some announcements. But I expect the Amsterdam one to be probably front loaded, right? To put a bunch of stuff out there, I imagine. Well, it depends on what they've got to say, but it also depends a little bit on how much appetite the player base has for new information. If they had been given a bunch and were still processing it, they might hold stuff back. But right now, there's a lot of appetite for information on where this game is going. So my assumption is they're gonna they're gonna provide us with pretty much whatever they uh, they feel is far enough along to talk to the players about. They might be holding some of their powder back for the next thirty days and creating a subdramatic effect at Easterdam that tends to spike marketing attention and, and PR attention if you do that. So they might, they might kind of be quietish for the next 30 days, but uh, I, I expect yeah, some stuff or they might find that they need to precede some of the information a week or so before in order to have people in the right mind frame to absorb what they're going to hear at Amsterdam. How did they used to do that? Um, did they make announcements would, leading up? Well, they in back in the day, uh, we we would sit down in meetings and say, "What do we have, you know, coming up for this time block? What are we going to have ready to a to deliver, and what are we going to have ready to talk about?" And then you'd look at your bookends and say, "When do we have to have spoken about something because we're going to have to put it on Singularity test server anyway?" And they're going to see it anyway, so let's talk about it before we just shock them. Okay, now that's that frames one bookend. When you know uh, here, when's this event? Now, how are we going to distribute our messaging in between that? What should be the flow? Uh, who should speak for each thing? How, you know, how should we how, how should we do this? And you just have to work through it. It's just work. But I mean, the yes, the announcement used to happen before FanFest and then when everybody went to FanFest they would talk about, no, it was the reverse. They would save all the announcements for FanFest, make all these giant announcements, and then talk to people right before they left. Uh, well, you tune it a little bit each time too, because I remember my first eFanFest, the 
they didn't give the the big bombshells until the keynote and the keynote was at the end right uh, and then the next time they're like we're gonna do it differently this time we're gonna put the keynote first and that worked so well they've done that each you know time since then and i, I mean you just you and they did that they did that so they could make the announcements and then talk to the players about it that was the idea is it was wasting fruitful. an opportunity yeah. yeah but i have to admit i liked saving the the instincts, the initial instincts were save the best for last, you know, give all these people this hype video at the end of FanFest and then launch them uh, back into their real worlds. One thing that also really made us optimistic is the first night out on Saturday when we all, or most of us arrived. Um, we went into a bar, uh, the one right below the CCP offices, and they invited a whole bunch of devs as well. And like half the people that showed up from CCP there, I'd never seen before. And most of them were new devs that were just hired recently. Uh, it really seems like the public perception was that sort of CCP has just been firing people and they haven't really done anything in terms of hiring new people. But the the amount of new teams and shit that they've hired is, is incredible. They've invested a lot in that. And um, they, they also wanted to show that off a bit with the Eve Pulse video that were, was released, I think, yesterday or the day before. Where, yeah. the, uh, where CCP Burger went through the CCP offices a bit and sort of showed everybody what they were working on. Um, that was also a sign to us as a CSM that things can't be going that bad. You know, if things are going bad, you don't hire, I don't know how many new, like I don't actually know how many new people they hired, but there were a lot of new people. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's really cool. And yeah, that's a really important thing that you know uh, mentioned because you know Eve players have a really close connection with the the devs more so than than most games, right? So all the devs, you kind of you kind of know who they are and stuff. But in the gaming industry, from what I'm told, the turnover is really relatively pretty high. So like every two or three years, you have a lot of turnover. So whenever a CCP leaves or a prominent CCP leaves, that's been there for like five or ten years. Uh, people go really doom and gloom when it's they've really just been living longer than the uh, the industry average. It's so funny that we are looking at uh, this whole game is predicated on corporations in space, basically, and uh, players running these corporations. And at the same time, we look at CCP, an actual corporation, and we have the same kinds of uh, feelings about that that people have with stocks. Like I have a friend who's an analyst for some mutual fund. And his job is to look at companies and really scrutinize what's going on with them, with their books, with their personnel, um, and looking at all little hints to try to predict the future of how much of that company to own. Some of you guys probably know this a lot better than I do. But we do that with EVE Online, don't we? We, we keep looking at all the little hints about where this game is going. Yeah, we, we, tend, to, we tend to mostly pick up the, the negative hints. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it speaks to the nature of... Uh, Seeing this as an investment, I keep saying that, but yeah, we do kind of, uh, the, the, the good news kind of doesn't get a lot of play, does it? It's always like that, I think. Um, you know, people that are mad are generally a lot louder, usually, than people that are. Um, but yeah, so I, I really see as well. And it's always a big question, because there's, there's those people that just don't believe you when they tell them this kind of stuff, that are just like, nah, they're just showing you something wrong, and then in reality, it's all going to shit. But if if me... You know, I'm and I'm just a one-termer so far in terms of CSM. I've only been in there for one term. But if even the people that have been there, like Steve, who has been in the CSM for five years in a row now, I think, and then people like Jintan, who's been there for a while, and Aerith, and, and all of them, they really felt like 
the, the company felt a lot more alive than it did in the in the recent uh, recent summits. And that, that just is a good sign to us. You can say what you want. I mean, it's our perception. Yeah, and, and Falcon said the same thing when he was talking uh, after the Alliance tournament. He said, even though this is a, a down announcement that's going to disappoint a lot of people, I'm really positive on, more positive than he has been in years uh, on CCP and the EVE. And I, I, I think I asked him what that meant, and he seemed to, I, I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm just going to say my interpretation of what he said was, that it's a combination of things. It's um, the focus on Eve, but also uh, probably the new people. I don't want to attribute that, those comments to him, but I think that's what it was. The focus on Eve, the, uh, the, the new, maybe the new money coming into the company to make things happen. I guess it takes new, new money to bring in new devs. I don't uh, think there's new money coming in. From you don't think so? That I don't think that's part of what that was. I think that money went to the investors to, to pay them off, but um, I think there's enough cash flow in the company to support what they're doing right now. Well, maybe new that's financial not insider info, right? But the new financial realities might have changed. Do you think since they were bought by a company that's interested in MMOs? What I think. To- what I think has changed is the mindset of the owners, because previously the owners were sort of an investment fund or some shit like, oh, sorry, uh, something like that. Um, whereas now it's a gaming company as well. So they, they probably look at the whole thing a lot different than a group of people that just have a bunch of money and wanted to invest into something to get some returns. I right? agree. I think that uh, one of the things you see in business all the time is that when you have a VP of finance or an investor at the head of your company, and I work in IT, you always see that spend is a lot more conservative. Whereas if you have somebody who's interested in the direction and what you're doing and understands the value of the people that you're hiring, you're going to get that support financially. There's also, and we should probably move on, but the uh, there's also the idea that the last year and a half or year, year and a half is spent grooming itself to look uh, purchasable. So those financial realities might have been a bit stricter than, you know, once the purchase is made, then if you think about it, it's kind of like uh, starving yourself to get super skinny for your wedding. And then afterwards, you just kind of like let it go. Well, and there's an emotional uh, overhang that you deal with. Now they've got, they've taken care of a massive, uh, achievement that they needed to do. They're going to feel good about that. They've got some more freedom going forward. They got a fresh start. They got some optimism, got a little momentum. In the meantime, the player base, on the other hand, it's human nature that we remember the bad parts easier than the good parts. It's a self-preservation instinct to that. uh, If something bad happens, you're going to remember it better. So that stuff is going to uh, stack up in your mind and you start to get nervous. Communication's the key to get out of that that cycle. One of the things that I wanted to look into, and maybe we'll do a whole show on it because I think it's really important, uh, and it kind of ties into Burnjita, is retention issues. People who start playing this game, how can we keep them playing this game uh, to the point where they become uh, addicted to it, right? Like people will eventually click into EVE Online and find out what the real fun of it is it just takes a while to get to that point and how do you keep people in before they go you know i actually talked uh, to brisk not too long ago about an idea how i see uh, or where i see the problems 
with that actually because i think the the number one reason for that is even the pvp game but like the only things they get told to do in the new play experience is actually pve right so whenever they do pve and then they get forced into pvp it's always a bad experience and then they end up uh, you know quitting the game because of that and i think there should be a pvp new player experience and i actually had some uh, you know ideas and talked about it with brisk i'm not sure if he actually i think it was a little bit too much to bring it up at the csm or anything but mm. i don't know well it's it's come up um I'll cite open comms because I was listening to it the other day and there was uh, Brisk and Rain, I think, were fighting off, uh, I don't know, somebody. But they were fighting about that old uh, trope that uh, Eve Jita, or sorry, Burn Jita is, is not necessarily a bad thing. It could be a good thing because if you uh, get ganked, you're more likely to stay in the game. Now, my understanding is that that might have been said by CCP Rise, and I don't know if it was tongue-in-cheek or if uh, it's a true fact, but it was definitely finessed by CCP Fozzie when we asked him that it's not really actually when you get ganked that you want to play this game longer. It's that you, when you get shot at, and that's as much as they would say. And that makes a lot of, a lot of sense because that little change is a huge difference. If you look at little kids, when they're running from their parents, they're engaging that adrenaline of chase. That's super exciting and super fun. But if the parent were to trip them and then jump on top of them, it probably wouldn't have been that fun. And so it would be a whole different thing, I think. I also remember a, a story that they had told um, when, like, uh, when they were looking at redesigning war decks and rebalancing war decks, where they followed uh, a handful of capsuleers, but one guy in particular who got ganked uh, and then, you know, decided to. Uh, get his sweet, sweet revenge and, and plan for like two or three weeks or whatever. Uh, and then he killed the guy that killed him using uh, kill rights and then just never logged in ever again for like for like two years or something like that. Wait, he did it and then he took off? Yeah, so the guy got his revenge for getting ganked and then just never logged in again. <laughs> he won Eve, huh? Yeah. He played so Spotify for trailer. Yeah, so it's like a, a really complex issue when it comes to retention. Like we've always been told, oh, retention goes up a, a huge amount if you uh, interact with another player in a meaningful way, which makes total sense because EVE Online's a very confusing game and you have no idea what it is because pretty much the only description is this crazy sandbox. Well, what the, what the heck's a sandbox, right? Like what can I do in the sandbox? Um, you don't even know what types of things you can create. You don't even know uh, what's there for you. You don't know what options are until you run into another player and you see what he's done. And then you can start to see a bigger picture. And then you can see what another player has done. And the more players you're introduced to, uh, the better the picture is as in like where and what you can do in the game and, and what you can't do. There must be something to what mindset you come into Eve playing. Like when I heard about Eve Online, it was... Uh incredibly deadly uh, the owners of the game the makers of the game let you get away with anything uh you know including demolishing corporations with espionage and stuff like that and so i looked at the game and i thought yeah i know what i'm getting into but if you're saying yeah i want to belong to this exploratory you know sci-fi universe and i want to collect my few things here and there and you're not really uh coming into it thinking that you know, it's a very punitive game, then it's going to be a 
it's going to be like cold water on your experience. But it just, again, it depends on how you look at it coming in. Well, when I first uh, installed Eve, I thought it's more like Eve Valkyrie, right? WASD, shoot some people in space, like no fucking politics or any of that stuff. Like I wasn't even interested in MMOs or any of that. So uh, even even if you get surprised, it's a completely different game. There's still potential of you know keeping people around. Yeah, the la- one of the last things here is that Eve, uh, sorry, Noisy Gamer says that uh, if you're engaging in PvP, you most likely are part of a player group. And if you're playing with people, you're way more likely to stay subbed. And that logic is is perfectly true. Uh, and I think that's it. So meetups, belonging to uh, corporations with people in it, all that kind of stuff. A social network that wraps around you in this game is, is critical to keeping you... Uh, it mitigates a lot of the damage done to you psychologically, but also keeps you interested uh, in cooperative gameplay. Yeah, I think so. You said earlier, like someone who's getting shot at has a more has a higher chance of staying around. I think you can even go further and say someone whose friend is getting shot at is having an even higher chance of sticking around, right? Because you know it's a social game, and uh, I think that's the the key factor. And that's also what's missing in the new player experience. Uh, it, I, I never played it, but it probably says at the end uh, the best way to go about it and uh, is joining a, a corporation and stuff. But I think that doesn't go far enough, right? It would be would be nice to hook up some uh, some new players so they actually make those connections like in a natural kind of way. Well, that's why groups like uh, Brave Newbies were really, really successful early on, which led to, to groups like uh, Karma Fleet and, and uh, Pandemic Horde, because basically from day one, you just throw people into the, the deep end of the pool and see what happens. And the people that are interested in PvP, like they get instantly addicted to it, right? And they're just down to, to experience that. And that's actually the old, like the very, very old Goonswarm model back way back in the day was hey you just joined here's a rifter just run at one of these uh these bad guys and your ammo or their ammo costs more than your ship so we'll just keep giving you ships and it'll be a lot of fun yeah i mean i think that's one of the big advantages to you know joining large organizations especially organizations with a teaching focus like brave newbies or or you know um, some of the larger corps and goons and of course eve university who make their whole job being neutral from the politics and offering everybody a chance to really get a chance to experience all the different areas of space. They've got campuses in high sec, low sec, null sec, and really uh, offering things like SRP at a level where people can afford to just throw themselves out there, blow shit up, pardon my, my French here, but uh, get your stuff blown up and then come back and know that it's okay because you're going to have more ships to go out with. And I tell everybody the biggest way to get over that hump of how do I get into PVP is have 10 ships in your hangar. Go blow one up. You got nine more left. It doesn't feel so bad. You know, I think that doesn't work for everyone, though. So for me, for example, if I if I have like a hundred of the same ship and I keep blowing it up, it feels pointless then, right? I mean, what is it about then? Like if you don't care about the ship you're losing and the, the other guy doesn't care about his ship he's losing, like what am I undocking for then? Like that doesn't get me to undock at least. Yeah. It, has to be, yeah. it has to be some value uh, at the very least. For the for very new players, it might even also work the other way, right? I mean, to some degree, it for sure works, but it stops working at some point too. Yeah, there's a scale level there where if you get too high into that, at some point, it loses its its risk because you know you're not 
experiencing the Eve effect, which is that you can lose everything. So uh, speaking of uh, finding groups and uh, the social aspect of Eve Online, CCP's put out some, I believe they're on Facebook, so a little, little harder to find, but they put out um, three or four now videos that are meant for new players and new player retention, which is kind of interesting. Uh, one of those is how to find a friend. So it really shows you the stuff that we take for granted, which is how you send an email to someone that you might want to meet or how you talk in local, what groups you join, how you join them. If you don't find your people, do you move on to uh, a different group? And uh, it's all that kind of stuff. So all the, all the little stuff that's social that we take for granted is totally new to, to new players. Um, I forget actually how vulnerable new players are at being intimidated out of the game. I was helping this new player out the other day and he was, uh, <laughs> it was, it, it took all of an hour of me typing to him as he was streaming on how to get him to uh, mine a rock and to actually have to go to a market to sell it and then how to re reprocess it. Um, just all the sheer amount of stuff we take for granted for things that are second thoughts or just these um, really complex series of things they have to do and logic they have to click into in order to just do the most basic things. The whole reason I'm on YouTube, that's what I make my YouTube videos about is how to get new players up that wall of data that they have to, to parse in order to make sense of what's happening on their screen. Wild. All right, so look out for those uh, tutorials on Facebook. Uh, look out for Eve Amsterdam's coming March 21st through 23rd. Probably be some announcements there. Um, it's nice to see CSM has had a good summit and that everybody's kind of positive on the direction of Eve Online. Uh, at least there's no tension there. There's one last thing I wanted to cover here, and that is a new tool, right? Jurius, do you want to tell us about that new tool? Yeah, so I'm certainly not the first person to propose something like it, but at Eve Vegas this last year, I stood up and, and asked during the Little Things panel, um, as a lot of people did. There, I was not by any means the, the first person to recommend anything, but I asked um, because I spent a lot of time teaching and making YouTube videos about um, how to orient yourself on the game. One of the things that I've always missed um, because I've had the experience of, you know, working in IT, walking people sight unseen over the phone through, okay, now click here. All right, now, now enter this. All right, now click this other thing. And missing a tool in EVE that would work like the prompts in the NPE, where it would either highlight or flash or put an outline around the thing I wanted them to click, no matter how they had uh, set up their, their overview. So it didn't matter if their overview was in the top right or bottom left. It didn't matter if they had their capacitor on the top or bottom or how they'd organized their Neocom short links. I wanted a way to say, this is the thing I want you to click on. And I was really, really surprised when CCP Carker turned around and did it and did it really, really quickly. Like um, she approached me in January to say, here's an early working model. What does this look like for you? And is there any feedback you'd like to provide? And um, when the, she turned around and, and you know released it for public review on CC, it's available there now. Um, and you should go check it out. It's amazing. Um, I was blown away because the, the turnaround was just so fast on it. She's like a little magical being, isn't she? Absolutely. Big fan. Yeah, it's going to be a great tool to help uh, explain stuff, especially to like if you have a friend, you're sitting on like TeamSpeak or something, and you want to just tell him, hey, dude, now go to this menu. And he's like, well, where do I find that? And you have to like guide him through the Neocom and all that. You can just link him the menu straight away. And you can, you can click on it, and it'll take him. So that's uh, pretty nice.
Man, that's powerful stuff. And that's already on CC, you said? Yeah, already on CC. Man, that's great. Now, one thing thing to add, though, is that it has to be activated from outside of the client because it's just a working test. And there's no commitment from CCP right now that they're going to put it in the game permanently. They're just feeling this one out. So this is also new ground in terms of them showing us a non-finished feature that they may or may not roll out. So this is kind of virgin territory. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Well, we'll look out for it. Uh, next thing I want to cover real quick before we get into the player news is the uh, monthly economic report is out. The MER, they call it. And Jurius has had a look at it for us. What can you tell us? This is going to be an interesting one. Well, um, there's a lot, and I'll run through it really quickly, but the biggest thing by far is that the local outage that happened in January and the Botter RMT purge removed 140 trillion ISK from the game in January. That's 140,000 billion ISK. It's kind of hard to get your head around that big a number. Yeah, yeah, I can't even... uh, But what was that, 140 trillion? 140 trillion ISK. So to give to give the rundown, we started off at end of December. Sorry, I just scrolled down my sheet. We started off at the end of December with a positive of thirty-five five trillion, and at the end of January it was negative ninety-five point four trillion. That's a movement of one hundred and forty trillion available ISK in game. The ISK delta was huge. Okay, how did that much money leave the game? Um, that was CCP going in with the ban hammer and hitting people really, really hard. Almost all of that money lost from the game happened from character. Yeah, you're, you're cutting out a bit. So from yeah, character the, what? From character wealth. So Noisy Gamers pointed this out in the past as well, that the actual biggest faucet, and that is basically money draining away. Sorry, drain, not faucet. <laughs> so faucets when money comes into the game and drain is when the money goes out of the game. And we're talking about ISK money, not real money. So one of the biggest drains is players leaving the game, either getting kicked out or just retiring. Uh, and they actually take off when they don't give their stuff to somebody else. And that money is just locked up and gone uh, from the actual economy. So uh, $140 trillion is a godly large number. Um, so the the people who were... <laughs> I mean, if you have that much ISK, you can't really do anything outside of the game with ISK. You're going to want to like try to get real money traded for that so that you can come out with something. And I, I just didn't realize those numbers were so big. So the guys getting banned for RMT, real money transactions, selling in-game money for real money, uh, they had a, it looks like they had a ton of money. Yeah, and wallets That's being That's a lot of people. Was it... Uh, yeah. How many was it? They said it was, uh, was it 1,600 or accounts? It was about 1,600 accounts, yeah. And, wow. But it, if it is 1,600 accounts, that's in addition to that, that's going to be a number of corporations and a number of alliances, potentially, that also have money pulled out of that. So that doesn't mean that that 1,600 people had $140 trillion taken. It could have been that some of it was taken from the players, some from the courts. Actually, the, the, the money doesn't bear that out, unfortunately. The money shows that really? um, corporations held steady, and there was even a slight increase. But what happened was that all of the moneyed individuals in those corporations that might have been yanked 
or anybody who was seriously profiting from botting, um, their personal wallets are gone or negative out. Um, and that that huge number might be skewed by the fact that often CSP doesn't just take all your money away. They put your wallet in the negative. Well, if we tie this back to the earlier discussion that says groups help players stay in the game longer, it's probably a good thing that the corporations uh, are are still intact like that. That's, yeah. Wow. By the way, Noisy Gamer also makes a neat point there in chat that uh, if you compare that 140 trillion uh, being taken out of the game, uh, compare that to all the Plex market inside of the game, uh, that is at 160 trillion. Those are almost equal numbers. That's an amazing. Yeah, that's staggering. That's a, that's an insane amount of uh, money gone from the game. So the ISK velocity has almost reached its all-time low with this dip. Um, right now, the lowest point in the last several years was um, about August of 2016. There was a really, really big fall in 2016, and we have almost hit that low level. Okay, what's ISK velocity? How much trade and uh, growth or movement there is on the the amount of ISK flowing. What, what would that mean to a common person? Just a simple so, person. Simple explanation. Um, on a day when confidence in markets is really, really high in the real world, you'll see the Dow Jones and all these other markets, TSX, trading really, really fast. Um, how much money changes hands in a single day is, is, is your ISK velocity, oh. essentially. So, it's the, it's, so basically, it's the... Um, the measurement of how the the money is moving around in EVE Online. Yeah, exactly. So the money has slowed down in EVE Online? Is it more stationary well, it's, then? It's fallen off in a huge way because a potential money that could have changed hands in terms of market volume simply disappeared. Wild. Well, I, I, I wonder if there's any uh, market implications to that money just disappearing or in this game without inflation, if that makes any difference at all. Well, it's kind of like a tree falling. It did have a market impact because several regions saw sort of anomalous giant dips in their market trade value and in their uh, monies. Um, in fact, the Forge most specifically, I mean, obviously for good reason, uh, the trade balance and market value fell by 4 trillion ISK for trade balance and 14.7 trillion ISK for market trade value. So that represents stuff that was taken off the market as a process of destroying the proceeds of botting an RMT. Are you saying that uh, the Imperium is botting? No, no, I'm saying that market that was available for trade and items that have been purchased were yanked from the game by the devs. And that was represented not just in character wallets, but also in assets. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I'm trying to be controversial here and, and you know, saying, are, are we, do we have fingers to point at certain areas of the game? Can we? Actually, Delve is up in almost every area except Bounty. Uh, no, Bounties is up to Delve's up pretty much everywhere. So they're still doing fine. Well, I meant like unless uh, unless Delve is secretly uh, unless the Imperium is secretly botting in the Forge to hide it, possibly just being ridiculous. For <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, all this economic news, I want to make it uh, have some kind of uh, relationship to the people's perceptions out there. Uh, so you know whether it's drones or the North or Delve or 
now scalding pass, wherever it doesn't matter. Like, is there anything in the in the MER that points to no. any anything politically? No. Yeah. So, so the biggest movers in terms of nullsec regions were Ketch, Deterred, Isteria, Fountain, Geminate, Impasse, Innsmother, and Pureblind. So those are the regions that saw multi-hundred billion isk movements, either in the negative or positive. So we're seeing a lot of movement um, in uh, areas in the north and in the, I guess it would be west. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of growth in mining in areas like Innsmother and Derry to the tune of almost a trillion-esque uh, in Innsmother and 600 billion-esque in Derelict and Fat. Oh. Who's in Innsmother? Is it Skill U? And, and they must be renting that out if it's there. I think it's Skill U, yeah. And yet there are areas where net exports are, are way down. Like Essence is down almost 3 trillion-esque. Um, let me pull up the next one here. Oh, yeah, Lone Trek. I mean, and High Second Carrier way down for net imports as well. Um, there's big movements uh, from um, production as well. In fact, the only area where Delve is down is 4.4 trillion ISK down in production values. Hmm. All right. Well, speaking of um, was it speaking of base, you know, economics and how economics feed the military machines of these empires. The Imperium yesterday told us on the Meta Show that their plan is to basically, now that Red Alliance is out of period basis, to rent it out at essentially no cost and to um, compete and undercut BOT, which is uh, Brothers of Tangra, which belongs to, uh, well, NC Dot and PL. Uh, or at least it, it did. I think it's mostly NC dot now. And, NC dot. Yeah, it's NC dot, right? Yep, it's just NC dot. Though I, I will to my own horn. I did come up with the uh, the name. So oh. uh, we uh, we sold off uh, all of our renter space uh, after the or just before the Phoebe jump changes uh, back in the day. So well, it, it was Sons of Tangra were associated. Tell us what Sons of Tangra and uh, Brothers of Tangra are all about. Uh, so back in the day, the people that lived in Fountain Core, uh, there was this one uh, Bulgarian group that honestly, they're probably still there. They just live in Fountain Core. That's what they do. <laughs> and their alliance, um, one of the corps was the Bulgarian Mafia Squad. And their alliance was Sons of Tangra. And they were like PL allies when I first joined PL and uh, back when we held Fountain. Uh, and that was the last time we really wanted to own space. And so um, as we were getting uh, new renter space, we need to come up with a name. And uh, I mean, obviously, uh, drone lands, everyone, the meme is that everyone there is a botter. So uh, we thought uh, Brothers of Tangra would be a great, A, a great ticker because it's bot. And uh, just a, a nice little throwback to, uh, to old PL allies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember Brothers of Tangra. They were kind of like, the police force that kind of went around um, Fountain to protect the the renting, and then that allowed PL to go and do things. Yeah, and honestly, those dudes probably, honestly, if, if you're looking at Fountain Core, they probably just still live there. I'm sure uh, a Pando can can give more uh, credence to that. <laughs> the dudes that lived in Fountain Core are pretty resilient, and they just live in those like three systems and run serpentis missions. Well, the second part of the Imperium's plan, as uh, was laid out yesterday by the Mitanni and Aerith, 
is there will probably be some form of attack on Brothers of Tangra soft space in the future. He kind of just winked at that. Yeah, it's it's something that they've tried to do before uh, at an organizational level. They've tried to create their own, or the Imperium has tried to create their own uh, renter alliance to undercut everyone else. But, you know, it's it's really tricky because unless you offer to move everyone's stuff, the people that are in those systems, uh, what I've found out through through years of, of trying to get them to get evicted, is they'll stay there and they'll just go AFK for a little bit. And when the new owners come in, then they'll just say, okay, who do I give my money to today? So they don't really care. Like they rather live in their, their systems than anything else. I'm sure a few people like move over, but uh, period basis is kind of, kind of annoying to get to yeah. uh, in terms of logistics. We should probably turn it over to the FCs to talk about this sort of thing. But I just want to say the, doesn't this seem like a, a, a nice plan on paper? We'll undercut them economically by attracting their people, and then we'll go and make their lives miserable, making it impossible for them to relax in their territory. And that two-pronged attack should bring us a lot of wealth. It's a super like EFT style campaign, right? Like it, it sounds like it should work really, really well. And like if you're playing a game like Civilization or something, this would be literally how you would win. But uh, sometimes execution, you can't really count on how a player is going to be, re- be reacting because the, the players don't necessarily make logical decisions. Like it would be super logical for a renter to be like, yo, the, this space is under attack. Uh, this other space for their way is A, safer, and B, cheaper. So I'll just go there. But the players, as I'm sure we can all attest to, don't make sound yeah. decisions well, a lot of the time. The the X factors are the emotional attachments to certain systems, certain regions, they, uh, the assets that you already have in place. All that stuff would keep you wanting to stick around in an area rather than, rather than just look at the pure economics of it. So there's an interesting question I'd like to pose to everybody. Um, one of the things that comes out with the MER is uh, graphs on peak concurrent players. And some areas that I never expected to see huge growth in month over month saw a big spike, uh, specifically Wasa and the Kalabala expanse, as well as MNC and Tanarifs. Uh, the numbers there in January were up hugely, like very visible. Isn't that Horde? Is that Horde area? Oh, Kalabala is, the rest isn't, I think. I don't know who Oasa belongs to. But yeah, Kavala oh. expands its hard. The rest is someone else, I think. Yeah, Oasa is deep, deep drone regions. Uh, and then and Kalavala uh, had, in addition to having the horde there, it had like space violence and and I think maybe TNT and some folks. Does that would that count people coming through in fleets? Yeah, yeah that peace, would be part of the yeah. statistic. Yeah, so those are invaders. So, yeah. But also. Um, Tenerefes is uh, maybe has a, an influx of Russians going there now because uh, they're they're now forming on the borderlands. We'll get to that in a minute. First, let's uh, let's actually skip Bernjita and talk about uh, the initiative's deployment to Hukonan. We have some guests here for us to remind you. We have uh, Pando, uh, Dark Shines, both from Initiative, and we have Killabee from NC Dot. Um, why don't we throw it to uh, Dark Shines? Been sitting here quietly. Uh, can you tell us like what this deployment is when it started? What's uh, what you expect to get out of it? Uh, yeah, sure. So we um, deployed uh, in the middle of the week on Wednesday um, with our EU. Uh, 
um, we moved just under 700 people from uh, Fountain to Hakona. Um, got followed with some US time zone moves, which didn't quite make it. But uh, we, uh, we've we been moving people into Hakona in the, the last couple of days. Uh, basically, the idea is just to um, create content, get as much uh, kills as we can. Uh, get some of our newer FCs the experience of fighting under a super umbrella, which is uh, pretty important for an FC to have. Um, and yeah, just kind of have fun. It's a longer term deployment, so it's uh, it's a bit of effort gone into it. But um, so far, it's been pretty fun. Obviously, the the um, the super umbrella makes things difficult, but that's all part of it. So, well, what people maybe misunderstand about this, it's not like a campaign. In the old school sense, like you deploy and you go all in and try to whatever people are already talking about refing keepstars and stuff like this, like no fucking way we're gonna ref keepstars under that super cap umbrella. <laughs> but uh, like this is a very long term thing, right? It's more like a, an opening of another stager, because right? there was rumors about uh, Panfam trying to make this, uh, you know, their own version of Delve, which is obviously unacceptable, and. Uh, yeah, we were looking for a secondary <laughs> stager anyway. And uh, yeah, I decided to go for Harkonnen. And uh, Hostel Forces are hyped to no end at the moment. Like, they're forming for, like, even medium posses yesterday, I think it was. Uh, like almost a thousand dudes. And we are still in the process of setting up. Right? So the thing has, hasn't even started yet. But uh, there's going to be some real good fights coming out of this, I'm pretty sure. Well, yesterday, again, uh, we were listening to Dark Shines, I think it was on the Meta Show, said that um, you had kind of shut the place down, like there were no Rorkles around. Is that still true? Or is, what's... I'm pretty uh, sure there's Rorkles here, there's Rorkles there, right? Yeah, yesterday it was pretty quiet. Today uh, it heated up a bit again. Um, so I guess we'll see how it goes over the next few I guess it's dependent on time zone as well. Like if we're active, then people probably aren't going to be mining. If we're not as active, then people might feel safer. Uh, Killer B, what's going on on the other side? Are you guys, uh, are we uh, hyped up, uh, as, as as said by Pando? Um, yes. I mean, it's always cool when people deploy right to your doorstep. It means low effort content for us. and It's like food uh, delivery. It's fun. Well, it's not necessarily <laughs> food, and it aren't fucking... You know they're not bad so they are definitely finding their ways around and lots of the concepts that they they brought up with them uh very heavily sort of focus around the whole bush thing which is you know you can always drop a bunch of supers on a suka fleet but you won't kill that much because they can just bush out um but yeah i i like it i was pretty happy that shortly after the test deployment to Eugenin, uh somebody else deployed right to our doorstep because I was starting to think, um, I was like starting to think, oh shit, where are we going to go after the CSM summit is over? What can we do for content? And um, well, now we don't really have to do much. We'll see, like Pando said, we'll see how or shines, uh, how things go over the next couple of days. It's going to be interesting to see when they are fully settled in and our people, you know, there's always some sort of hubris involved, which is the thing that worries me the most is we've been just kind of dropping Supers and Titans on almost every timer, or at least have formed them up. And I'm getting a bit worried already that some like 
some guys like, aha, dude, there's like a 20 man in it gang here. I'm just going to drop them my Titan at like 0400 Eve time or some shit like that. And then he's going to eat dick. But, you know, that's also part of the thing. Uh, it's probably going to be some some stupid people dying. And then hopefully that will remind everybody to be a bit more respectful. Well, uh, and it has gotten huge with uh, initiative mercenaries uh, as well. I think between, between the two alliances, it's like, what, 7K, 8K characters almost? So definitely yeah. not something you can underestimate. Um, we just moved yeah. a couple dudes over actually from IM to uh, in it. Oh great! Is it like a is it like a training corp for you guys or training alliance? Yeah, well, so it's ma basically IM is more like uh, like the the proving ground, right? So that there might be very, like if it's a very strong corp that's joining and we know they fit culturally, we might make an exception, let them into in it right away. But it's very very rare, right? So usually they always have to go through IM. And some corps might be too proud for that move too. Right? They're like, oh, we can't join a feeder alliance first. And then yeah. that already that already doesn't even fit really, right? So, uh, yeah. So people always join IM first. And then, uh, you know, once they show, they, they have some uh, skills. They've got some numbers for uh, for fleets and stuff. But basically we don't... We don't make any. Uh, we don't di differentiate between the two alliances. It's both in it, right? I don't even like. It's just a just a ticker that's different, basically. It never really comes up uh, when yeah. you're doing things. It did matter when you had towers and stuff, but now it's Citadel, uh, ACL beacons and jump bridges and everything else. Like it's, it's not a big deal anymore. I think it's really interesting the way uh, if you want to just compare two different alliances, two different groups and two different deployments, just the way that you guys are, are framing this one. It's like, hey, we're starting off slow. We're going to be here for the long run. We're not going to make too many waves, but we're just going to have a lot of content compared to Tappy's uh, Oijanin deployment where they're like, oh, we're going to come in and we're going to fuck shit up. And then that just fizzled out really quickly. So it's interesting to see how two different Alliance is one like kind of uh, like initiative, obviously more PvP oriented and, and more uh, refined, I guess, in terms of uh, plans. See how you guys handle uh, similar types of deployments, or at least similar in terms of geography. Well, I mean, uh, like when you uh, we've NC in a PL, you know, we've all been fighting for years and years and years, and um. To come into a region that has the NC and PL and their pandemic core to some extent super umbrella in it and think that you can just roll someone over like in the first couple of weeks is, you know, it's it's insane. That's not how Eve works. It's just not going to happen. So I think we're just being pretty realistic about it, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool contrast in, in different deployments. I, I had a, a a right giggle as, as heroes uh, over the difference between the two. Uh, deployments considering they're very very close uh to like geographically so i guess yeah, you guys well, have your your pinkies out in this deployment you're more sophisticated <laughs> by the way when i said it was like food delivery i guess it could also be like a burglar coming into your house like, it depends on how well it goes yeah, yeah that's also, that's sort you're of allowed to be biased <laughs> when we're talking about nc you're allowed to be biased also <laughs> we're outnumbering killer b two to one right now so you can take a side today Okay, you always yeah. did a great job being neutral, so thank you. Let's make an exception today. <laughs> thank you for letting me off the hook. Uh, also, want to say when uh, Killaby is using the metaphor to say that uh, uh, an NC uh, bad drop would be some 
guy eating dick. That's actually uh, um, Thai food of some sort, isn't it? That's what that's what he that's what he meant. Okay. It's just one of those things that like that tends to set in very quickly, especially in the first couple of days. We obviously present ourselves very confident towards this deployment, um, towards our members. But sometimes what what member like to, likes to forget is when the FCs are confident, when we do stuff, we usually have the backup, we have the intel and everything that we can do what we do without being in too much risk, or at least have you know the necessary forces behind us to do it. And they 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 just all they see because they don't really see any of the background work happening. All they see is oh look, this guy just dropped his Titan on a fifty man in it gang on his own. Surely I can do that as well. And then he just dies. And he's like, well, well, he just did that two days ago. Why can't I do it? Um, so that's really what we, what I've always like, what I always try to emphasize the most when we do these kind of early, uh, you know, show of forces, like Pando said yesterday, for like a medium tower, we formed like eight hundred people or something, which is obviously, like, there's no way we were expecting any sort of uh, real fight out of that because there's just nothing you can do at that point. Um, so. You know that th- those kind of things are mostly just show of force and showing the members as well. Hey, we we stand strong, we stand confident. Uh, what it really comes down to is what things look like in a week from now, or maybe in two weeks from now, because obviously, you know, we have a lot of renters in this area as well, and they're generally uh, very poor at communicating. So what I always tell the renters is, hey, if you guys are capable of giving some basic information, like, hey, I'm tackled by two innate sabers in this system. Uh, I have a sign up and you can invite me to your fleet and I can probably help you out. But most renters only go as far as to spam help. I'm tackled in the Intel channel and then just don't respond to you at all. Like those kind of people just can't help. They just, they just die. But we're obviously trying to keep uh, at least the NCPL horde sort of people. Uh, We hope to give them as much possibility to make money as we can. So that's, uh, that's a bit of a tricky thing. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun either way. I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to get better at fighting Bushcom because I hate any sort of Bushcoms. Like, I just hate them. Because they're so Why annoying. Why would you hate them? Well, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I never, the only thing, the only time I ever did a Bushcom was down in Curse with Rocks, and it was kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm looking forward to get some practice versus Stukas, especially. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty spooked by Stukas. Just the sheer amount of bombs is just. Like that, that can only go wrong in my head. So I'm looking forward to uh, get ejected or fleet or two bombed and maybe learn a thing or two. Should be that's fun. The, that's, that's the scary part about the Stukas, right? You only have to make that one mistake. Yeah, and you're dead. And then you pay for it. It yeah. does work the other way around, though. So. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I really am looking is, forward to that. The thing is, it's getting tricky. Like, it's, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but the hard part is when you don't fight Stukas alone. Right? If you have to take two fleets into account, and you can't just do normal Stuka counter things, whatever that might be, and you have to consider fighting something else at the same time. And then you you know, you know, can get distracted, and boom, it's over yeah. quick then. Yeah, uh, Solar Fleet had, had used to do things like that. They would take uh, like A-Hacks and also Armor BS at the same time. So you would try and fight to counter the armor BS and then you'd get ravaged by these AHACs and then you try and fight the AHACs and you get ravaged by the armor BS. Oh, you remember maybe one time very early on uh, X47 and uh, I think the keepster was down. I don't know. We extracted some stuff 
And you were there in like a 200 man Munich fleet and we were in a, I don't know, 100 man Stuka fleet or so. And I actually set up a trap for you and you didn't take it. And I lined my guys out thinking, oh, it's not happening. And then you actually took it, but we were too far out of range. So I fucked up and you fucking murdered all my bombers way too quick with all these munins. I was so fucking mad about this. It was perfect to wipe out that entire fleet. And I couldn't because I fucked up, right? That's kind of funny. I am looking forward to that stuff. So yeah, I'm generally very happy about this deployment and uh, I'm hoping that we get some content out of it. Going to really show us as well uh, if, uh, you know, how the shape of NC Dot sort of. The test thing was a bit, like, I don't know, man, the whole test origin thing just seemed a bit unprepared and it wasn't, uh, once we had the groove down of coordinating, the, usual, the problem for us in the North is usually like not the individual alliance's performance, but like the coordination between the between all of us. Because we don't have the same infrastructure as the Imperium, uh, especially the goon part of it. So for us, it's always a coordination issue. But usually when we've got that sort of hammered in, things start to go pretty well. And that's pretty much what happened with the test origin and deployments. There were some defeats early on that were mostly because of bad coordination or just bad decisions like that HJ5 keeps are. And then, um, you know, as we, as we sort of started coordinating in a proper way, uh, we basically... T- didn't give them any shot and uh now that we're already pretty good at working together i think uh this this init deployment can be uh can be a nice you know nice opportunity for us to see what we can really pull you know after was it after what will be i don't even know but like after the the war in the north at least i think it was asher saying it the best you know, the best way to damage PanFam is actually just leaving them alone for now. Right? And I think I agreed at that time too. But now that you've fought, you know, test anyway. Yeah. Um, Not wrong. Know, I mean, the point in right after X-47, fucking Horde yeah. just went up and DOTG and all that stuff. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely always a bit tricky when you leave uh, a coalition like this on, on their own when they don't have an enemy to fight. I had some very interesting conversations with... Uh, some other goon CSM members about this at some. You can't like, it's not in goons uh, in goons' best interest to evict the North because if they kill, we're like effectively, even though we are weaker than them, uh, effectively right now we are the only real opponent they have left. And if they come and kill us completely, which is very hard to do in the first place, you, can, you know, killing people is very hard in Eve these days. But at that point, they've sort of killed, like they've defeated or removed the only real opponent from the, to, from the game for them. So it is uh, you have to you have to find the right point of how much do you beat them down until you leave them alone again. And I feel like that's exactly what they did with the whole X forty seven thing. You know, they killed a bunch of keep stars, they gave us a good beating, and then they left us alone. If they would have kept pushing, we might have fallen over, and then. They were just sitting down and dealt well, with literally zero people to left to really contest them. We really wanted to keep pushing, like I, I know from an initiative perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, initiative did. We were so ready for I this. I think it is fine. Like you guys probably could have kept pushing. Yeah, yeah that's the problem. We, like, yeah, I think so. I think the advantage we have, like we have been on these long-term campaigns a lot, right? We we don't do like these two-week, three-week, maybe two-month kind of things. We usually, you know stick with something for way longer so we were pacing ourselves in that war the entire time right? we didn't go all in right away like we were there for the long shot and then suddenly like 
Asher and the other guys were like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it's fine and we should just, you know, turn around. Sadly, 40, that was disappointing. That was really disappointing. Yeah. Oh, we should be able to have some fun. I, I think I, actually after that deal was made for the secession of hostilities, uh, initiative had their own emergency meeting to even to even decide if they were going to abide by it. Well, so I mean, it's not OPSEC anymore. We we left all the Imperium core channels at the time because there was a deal on the, uh, you know, Bliss was informed about it. I didn't even know about it. Um, but for in Bliss eyes, it wasn't decided. So uh, like he didn't sign anything off or anything. There was just this, you know, general, um, you know, proposal of an agreement basically. And he, you know, he thought, well, before anything is, uh, you know, set in stone, there's going to be some, you know, agreement and then they, you know, might post something. And then suddenly this thing is posted by Aerith and, you know, that rubbed me the wrong way too, right? Like FC is putting in the, all the work, and we don't we get to know about about it on Reddit. It just came across so bad, right? And then for what faction four disasters, it was even worse. So uh, you know, we left all the core channels, and uh, just to set up, you know, just to send a sign. I mean, everyone in Imperium already knows probably that I'm not the biggest fan of any coalition. I see the necessity, but. You know, that's it. So I think from my point of view, it's probably not a surprise. But uh, yeah, I was surprised that Blizz actually told us to, you know, quit the, the courts and you know, he's going to handle it. And he did. You know, there was no, it's not like drama or any or any of that stuff. But, you know, it's just, it's just not how you treat your, your allies, right? I mean, it's but always frustrating about, when, uh, like when an FC team puts in like a substantial amount of work and then someone else tries to co-opt a little bit of, of credit for it or, or change things uh, because you know as FCs and campaign coordinators and whatever it's a, it's a tremendous amount of work that you guys put in to to running these things so I can imagine it's like endlessly frustrating if someone like ruins it for you well I wouldn't say ruined it's it's just uh, it was a mix of things obviously like we were ready to go, we were looking forward to actually, you know, marching down the enemy and uh, stuff like this. And like I said, I didn't know about any agreement even being on the table at the moment. I'm actually surprised. Like I don't, I don't get this whole thing anyway. Like if you lose a war, like why would you, like, why would you take an agreement like this? I would never do that. Right? I think we as like in it in general, we would never like pay someone to leave us alone. Like that's just. It's just so weird to me. Right? So I, I wasn't even expecting it even. Right? Well, I mean, but, uh, I think a lot of it comes down to like, there's some people do things for the memes, right? So they're able to say like, oh, we, we met a game Sword Dragon that giving us Delve. I know, I know. And it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny, especially if you think about the faction forts, that they are the original faction forts, like from those stations, from the, that old uh, goon space and so on. Like, I get it, right? There's a sentimental value from uh, to it. Obviously, like whatever sum of ISK uh, they, they would pay, it doesn't even make that much of a difference from an Imperium point of view. Like, ISK is not, you know, what we're starting wars for. Yeah, especially. I mean, you can't uh, you can't boast about how you're making more money in the game than anyone else, and then 
uh, make an agreement for for money, right? Like that doesn't work. So it, it's all about the, the be able to, to me was be able to be like, hey, look how big of a force we are. We made this guy give us essentially Dell, rah rah rah. But you guys, you guys rebounded really quickly. You uh, you had your uh, hard knocks campaign after that, right? Which was fucking oh, amazing, yeah. by the way. I love you guys so much for that. Fucking for, well, for, honest, man. Well, half of you loves us for it, and the other half hates us. Yeah, that's that's okay. fine. That's I'm just okay. glad that once what more happened? the dominance of zero zero over every other sector of the game has been proven, even if it was from somebody from uh, yeah. the other side of the aisle. Well, you know that you know the, the Walmart guys—they're always trying to to play the quality card. You know what I mean? Once they're in their Walmart, and then you know you come in and and actually kill them. It's you know, yes, on the final time they didn't have a chance, obviously, and we didn't plan on giving them one anyway, so. But yeah, people uh, people hate us. People love us for it. It was all good, I think. You're talking about the attack on uh, HKs, and that's a Wormhole Corporation. H. Wormhole Alliance. Yeah, Wormhole yeah. Alliance is a wormhole, and you evicted them out of there, burning down all their structures and destroying a good portion of their wealth. Yep. Uh, and so, Killer B, I, I suppose you like it because anytime uh, NullSec can put their foot on wormholers, you're happy? I mean, not necessarily just on wormholes. I just really believe in, I really hope, because um, at the end of the day, the stuff that makes the headlines for CCP come mostly out of zero zero or is generated by people from zero zero. And uh, I just want to, you know, I just love sort of the idea of zero zero being this big blob of people that can pretty much deal with any other uh, sector in the game whenever they want to. It's an incredibly unpopular opinion to have, and it's mostly just role playing. So uh, please do not hate me for it. But yeah, I just, <laughs> the whole the whole concept behind the invasion of rage and everything, I just loved it. Like thinking about the the implications of that and everything, it just gave me a lot of joy. Even I wasn't a part of it, I sort of just followed it on Reddit and I had a good time with it. Uh, obviously, I know that high sec, low sec, and wormhole space are also important for the game, and you know, people that want to play that way perfectly fine by me. But I, at the end of the day, I'm still a big fan of Zero Zero. I pl- I've been playing in Zero Zero for pretty much my entire Eve life, and uh, which is half my real life as well, by the way. So you know, I, I just wow. like uh, I just like Zero Zero. You know, the funny part was like, that came out of all that was the the whole narrative of ravens being able to easily kill keepsters and stuff. And I'm just sitting here face palming. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Like it's so hard to kill keep stars with subcaps, right? We needed an entire two hundred fifty man fleet just to keep the fucking thing paused and, and reft. Like two hundred fifty that's you know, it's not easy. Like and now these memes on Reddit and all these F one drones thinking they, they know it all and post their big fucking ideas about uh what's what's OP and what's not and stuff. That's like so crazy to me. Right. Like anyone like people People talk about uh, the, the bush ravens killing keepsters left, right, and center everywhere in Eve. Like, I don't see it. Like, what, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like 250 dudes, that's what you need just to pause it, and then you have to win the fire too if there's a fire, right? Guys, one person did it. That means that's the counter yeah. to everything. The counter to keepstar proliferation is just a few ravens. Do you remember, Elise, when we were like memeing on everybody with Slapnius through wormholes in 2015? And suddenly everybody in the universe thought Slapnius were like the best doctrine in the game. And every time somebody brought Slapnius to a fleet battle, they got completely trashed. And they were like, wait, but PL is doing it. Why can't we do it? Like, that's not how it works, man. 
Yeah, that's it's always fun, and I'm sure um, Pando, you can talk to this because you've seen so many people uh, copy your version of of bombers and bushing, and when they just don't completely understand the concept, and arguably, probably almost no one else really completely understands it the same way that Initiative do. But when you see someone trying to recreate something that you've made or have perfected in a way, it's hilarious because they screw up and you can exploit it really, really, really well. Yeah, that's it's interesting. Like people will catch up, I believe. And um, you know, the whole bush meta, people think it's invincible. There's a lot of ways to hurt a bush feed really, really well. And uh there's you know, there's there's a ton of risk involved whenever you do a bush lead because you're all anchored on that one little spot. And, uh, you know, a lot of groups that tried had to pay the that, that price for that risk already. And it's discouraging too. And I think our advantage was we have been flying like Snatch and all these other bush comps uh, so for so long. So all guys are very used to it. And we have a lot of experience with it. But also uh, opponents like our hostiles they also have experience dealing with them to some degree, right? So people who now start starting out doing these kind of fleets, they might run into groups that are actually kind of used to fighting us. And we know like a lot of tricks and then they catch them, right? And they think, oh shit, it doesn't work. We can't do it. But it's, you know, it's a learning process. I think we're a little bit ahead in the bush game, but you know, people will catch up at some point. Is that your your favorite like new module that's come out in the last like, sure. ten years? For sure. I remember when uh, it was like first first announced, and then we were thinking like, wait, what if you do two of them at once? What happens? Like, and then just this light bulb goes off. Yeah, I, I right away right away used them in like small scale fleets to test it out and stuff, and I instantly realized, holy shit, like. You can you can do some awesome stuff with it. I remember I mean, we failed a lot of times too. I remember like two days after they came out, I had a bifrost or something. I was roaming with my old corp at the time to some space, and nobody had ever seen a bush before because it was just out very new. And I then there, there I don't know if it was pre citadels or not, but we were basically just pushing people off their stations that they warped to because they didn't see it coming at all. We got so many kills yeah. in that roam. Yeah, it was yeah, the same. Yeah. I'm telling you, the first couple of snatch leads we showed up, it was hilarious. Like, you, you wouldn't even believe it. Like, everyone, nobody was prepared for it. You just show up and you, like, whatever you wanted to kill, you could just whoop to it, push it off and kill it. Because, like, all these guys, like, kills left, right, and center. And uh, obviously that helped us a lot, too, because it's easy to get people in fleet then if they have, like, fun to know and and it's fairly cheap and stuff, so that thing got hyped, and we got a lot of experience very quickly. So um, yeah. there was a, a lot of kidnappings happening right after that module came out, right? Uh, I think I remember groups kidnapping people off of stations quite a bit. Is that called kidnapping? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, uh, no, it's not a, an official Eve term. Like, uh, yeah. Catching FCs and stuff like you can use it very tactically, and it was used quite a lot to, to you know either separate fleets or try and take FCs out of fleets as well. Back oh, one of my, the... sorry. oh, you can go. One of my favorite things that we tried was, so in the Snatch fleet, it's completely based on Magus basically, right? So let's, let's say you have 50 dudes, it's probably 20, 30 Magus. So the, the whole tactic of killing all the commander stars, it's not going to you know get you that far. 
and uh, also you have so many MJDs, you can do a, a lot of awesome stuff. So one of the things was I would have everyone anchored on me, and then I MJD into hostiles, and then I have all these guys that are anchored in an orbit on me, MWD and MJD. So if you're in the middle of that hostile blob, they're getting spread out all over the grid, and you can't really do anything about it. But it's more like a supportive kind of thing. A thing, but uh, it's like it just looks so fucking awesome <laughs> and it's so fun and it must be so shit for the hostel fc to suddenly have like i don't know 13 uh, different spots where your fleet is hey, if it gets to cancer i'll just have all my ships fit sign off and light like 200 signals. you know what you know what tc did that did. yeah culture did that actually and it was too funny uh because only half of their fleet actually lit the sign or the other half didn't do it in time or they didn't have ozone and stuff like this. So it was just too, it was just too funny because, uh, you know, they basically killed themselves with it because you can't just, you know, then they're all stuck and then half the fleet is getting pushed. It's like even, even worse. Then, then you had everybody uh, scrum chain each other. So you had fleets yeah. actually unfitting mids and fitting scrams and then fitting up scram partners in yeah, the and that one guy pushing. yeah there's that one guy who doesn't scram you know? so you you jump in you bush and then see maybe someone's not paying attention and then boom you jump that one guy off then the easy burst so there's a lot of ways to to doing funny stuff with it then yeah i remember okay. snuff uh yeah. snuff's version of of dealing with it well at the time was for their guardians because their guardian just kept getting booshed off in low sec. So they're just like, you know what? We're going to drop our uh, ECCM in the mid slot for this guardian. This only, this two slot, two mid slot guardian. We're going to put a scram in there and just scram chain all of our guardians as well as capture. Did that work? I mean, they were all scrammed together and uh, they didn't get booshed off. It works off. to some degree. I mean, there has to be that just one ECM burst. And then it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's the counter. You can get jammed really easily. So, but yeah, the the whole module is really fun. Like I remember when kind of when it's fairly new, and and Ron USMC in, in chat brings this up. Uh, whenever we were like super outnumbered fighting tests, like whenever they'd bring everything they could in, uh, we'd come in with like a skirmish fleet and just literally just probe out whatever. Um, pro god was in. So it was usually like a vulture. No one else was flying a vulture, so it was easy to get a hit. So we'd come in like 600 kilometers off, push him uh, 100 off his fleet and just try and kill him before his fleet can get back. Yeah, we did like headshot bushes like a couple of times. It's always tricky though, right? It's always a risk if you go very close, especially with Snatch, if you take the whole fleet with you. You might just lose people, left, like people are left behind and then, you know, they have easy kills then for hostiles. But um, you could always, uh, you know, MJD in pin that one guy down, scramble as many of the other guys as you can, and then start filtering, you know, you keep jumping and then scramble, 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 and you leave people behind on every jump. And, uh, you know, it's funny, even like no matter the numbers, that's the, that's the big point, right? If you have 50 dudes and then like a 200 man battleship fleet of some sort, you can do something. That's the big advantage. You might not always come out on top. Right? We like lost a lot of fleets too. I remember one time we def defended in, our four design, I warped on zero, thinking like, ah, it's going to be all right. And then NC dot actually all had smart bombs fit. And we just all died in an instant. And our first reaction was like, holy shit, that lag, you know, might be fuckery involved. But actually, I checked that the, the fits and they were actually all smart bomb fit. So, yeah, it was a painful lesson. 
So there have been surprises on both sides of the uh, For sure. fights. There's yeah, another great use so interesting. of that module uh, that you see in Delve all the time, where uh, someone will, will put together a little group of storks or, or command destroyers, and they'll go into a system with Oracle's mining, uh, or they'll log into the system already in the belt, ready to go. Um, and they'll go up to, they'll ignore the Oracles because they can't really do anything to them. And that's not their intention. And they'll go instead for the excavators and they'll chain boost them, boom, 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 with a bunch of jumps until they get outside of control range of the, of the original Oracle. And since the excavators move so slowly, they move like an old lady with a walker trying to cross the street. So they, they're hard to pull in quickly if, you, uh, if, if you're in the wrong system and belt when the guy logs in. But they'll, they'll jump them far enough out of your control range that they can then scoop them into a waiting industrial. So you have to MJD them and then uh, jam them. So they don't reproach. Then, if they're out of range and jammed, yeah. they uh, they're not gonna go back to the roll Yeah, yeah. We had a couple of dudes actually, like I don't know, five six dudes who did that when it first came up, when the range was still like three hundred km, because it's way easier right now. It's five hundred, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, or six hundred even. So it's way harder to MGD like a full set of drones six hundred km because you have to imagine if you warp in. You're still moving, you're moving, 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 and taking that many entities takes also time. And in that time, they are reapproaching, and you're approaching away from the rock on. Right? So you have to do it everything right. You might limit your speed, but is everyone limiting the, the speed correctly and stuff like this? So, you know, it's not that easy. It's not like a free, like, yo, just warp in, press of one kind of thing. You have to do it everything perfectly. It has to be executed well to actually work reliably. But yeah, with good practice. Those are some good ticks, I would guess. Well, so what? What uh, when it originally originally came out, that mechanic was seen as uh, it was. I don't know if it was controversial. I think some people thought it was too too weird a mechanic. Same with the hand of God that uh, allows you to throw ships uh, to teleport ships a uh, hundred uh, hundred k away. You know what? The GTFO, you mean? Yeah, GTFO. Get the- so I never, I never got the the. The whole discussion about that i've never seen one i've literally i've never seen one like i've the never seen it work on any of my because when the goons came to Ocon in 2017 it was one of the big fights in in 2017 over one of the staging forces that goons tried to drop and it was a 10 percent tie-dye fight and we chained gtfo this fleet so basically they were on grid all anchored up we gtfo'd them they were like literally 30 au away or something they had to work back to the fight, 30 AU and 10% tie-dye. So it took them like half an hour. Mm-hmm. And then as they landed back on grid, we immediately GTFO'd them again. And we just kept doing that for the entire fight. So that's why he's so mad about it. Because we just kept chain GTFOing him off grid. And he just was pretty much the entire like four-hour fight or whatever. He was busy warping back to the fight grid instead of actually getting to fight. Yeah, that's I why mean, he hates the module so much. But in general, like nobody's using them really. Like, I'm a very active FC, like, the last year, I would say. I was very active, and I've not seen a single one. So, to say it's OP, I think that requires at least 
for uh, a good chunk of uh, people actually using them. Yes. Like if it's OP, people will use it, right? at least to some degree. But I don't. I didn't see a single one. So I don't, I don't think anyone's ever good. complained about the GTFO besides uh, Pro God either. So that's just oh. his name. Right. <laughs> yeah, but he was so loud. Sure. It sounded like a that's lot of people. Pro God, man. I mean, he made he made to fucking he managed to post himself to the fucking CBSC or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's just what Pro God is. He's just loud. Now, there, there was another potential use of that module. There was going to be a version for structures, and um, they ended up not putting that out, if I remember correctly. And don't I think that would have seen a lot of use, though. But you're right. I, I, I don't remember an Imperium supercap fleet where they told us to fit those things. It was a, a very swift period of time where there was a little exploit or a bug where you could basically untether capitals from citadels by using the GTFO. Uh, that may have may or may not have been used a couple of times, but it has been fixed. So, yeah, that's that pretty much. So, like, if you in, basically the only reason to ever fit a GTFO would be if you're in low sec because you can't use any of the other AOEDD. So, like two weeks ago, I defended uh, PL. Raitaru or Astra in OB from um, a goon Ferox fleet. And basically what I did is, because I wasn't able to break Feroxes with my single Titan, what I did is I GTFO'd their Logies because they were anchored up in a blob, and then I started killing Feroxes. And I killed like four Feroxes by the time the Logies landed back on grid. So that's like the but occasional... why didn't the Feroxes just use, spread guess, out then? Why didn't the Feroxes just spread out then? Like, what's the range on it anyway? I didn't even look at uh, it. It's 100km. Uh, and the I radius... Mean, yeah, yeah, the radius, radius is like 10 km or something. See, like just orbit the anchor, yeah. like 15, Very boom, you're golden. Content. Yeah, or warp back in at like different ranges, 0, 10, 20. Like, what, what you're going to do, like, yeah, maybe you, like 10 of your dudes are getting GTO vote again, but it's not a, you know, it's very easy to counter. When when you're aware, like if you get surprised with it, it can be painful, obviously, but it's not OP. We Very call the module one. GTFO, and the full name is, I'm just going to read it out once because people have been asking in uh, Twitch chat, it's Gravitational Transportation Field Oscillator, or Oscillator, yes. Uh, it's not a coincidence, right? Some no, dev had some fun there. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. GTFO. Tongue, yeah, tongue-in-cheek with uh, CCP. It's basically get the fuck out. Um but they managed to give it just like skins, right? They managed to give it an acronym that works. Well, it's like the bosonic field generator. It's BFG. Yeah, throwback to do. And uh, my favorite of all time was the target painters, like the the different named version of of target painter. Yeah, the meta versions. That was fun. Yeah. All right. We're so gonna make you look them up. So okay, uh, I could listen to FC's talk all day long and understand only a portion of it. But it is exciting to see, like, just how uh, the top level uh, of um, tactics, uh, what goes on in their minds and some of the things they run into. So that stuff is always fascinating. Uh, we have one last thing that we want to cover, though, before we go. And that is, um, I know we said we were going to cover test and how the campaign's going uh, for them in the South since they went back there. I don't, we were going to have Headliner on the show. We'll have him on again at some point. Um, but uh, does anybody know about the South? Because I am not up on it. I think there was two failed drops uh, by Pro God on LX Tac Z. 
What do you want to talk about right now? Sorry, I was also saving Rockles at the same time. Oh, are you actually... Was it piloting? Nice? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what did you hey, want at to least, talk about? At least yeah. this time I was able to show up, right? Not like last time. <laughs> That is hilarious. Uh, all right, so while we're doing this show, these FCs over here are, are actually fighting and saving things. Um, no, actually, this is uh, the uh, space violence campaign. Space violence moved out of where you moved into, right, Pandu? Dark Shines? Yes. Yeah. They were staged in a Conan, and they now moved all their shit into Vino, uh, into PF Tech specifically, uh, which can send them to a various, uh, various different locations if they wanted to. So that's a very interesting. So are yeah. you co are you coordinating with space violence? Well, they're good friends, right? We're good friends with Kenda, so we might just call. I mean, it's not a surprise to NC anyway, right? But no. uh, yeah, they're just there to have fun. They they always do their own thing, and if it if things work out, they work out, and uh, yeah, if not, then they don't work out, right? As we so are it's great. not like a. It's it's not like we you know bank on their firepower or they bank on us doing certain stuff. It's just we do our own thing, and uh, if you know if our interests uh, you know are the same, like we might just work together, right? Right. So Venal is further north. So tribute is basically between Venal and where you are initiative, which is uh, northern Lone Trek, uh, and I imagine right. you guys are hunting oracles and uh, looking for things to do. Is there an overall goal, or are you guys really just uh, getting the fights that you can? That's one of those questions that nobody's going to answer. <laughs> is it? Well, so yeah, I sure. Can, we I can say if it breaks, it if it breaks, we meant to do it all along. A lot of the things we do are just for content. Sometimes yeah. there's not a huge amount of deeper meaning behind. We want to prevent Dev 2.0, right? That's one thing. Well, I've got great news. I have a, a strong feeling that your campaign to prevent Del 2.0 has been a success. Which is actually, like, uh, as I was pointing out earlier, like the, the difference between uh, a more chaotic deployment and, and like a more uh, sophisticated deployment is as an FC and, and content creator, you guys can uh, have like a goal that's kind of nebulous, but also exciting for, for line members to get them uh, entertained by it without setting too high of a, a ceiling that you can't reach it, right? So if your goal is we're going to completely obliterate the North, then in like three months, you're going to be most likely failures, right? But if your goal is we're going to prevent something that's, that's not happening, then you get to be like, yo, look, we did it. We accomplished it. Oosh. So and then not to say that you're like moving goalposts or anything, because that's, that's not it at all. But like uh, just the, the message that you, you send to your line members to keep uh, that activity to keep that excitement uh, to wherever you go. It's a huge, huge part of, of being incredibly successful, which is, I think, no one would argue that initiative hasn't been incredibly successful the last two or three years. I think the um, like the decision to go for, for Tribute, where PL and NCR, are because you guys probably one of the bigger, most competent guys that we can shoot, or that we like shooting. But then a week and a half ago-ish, I think, to get uh, a copy of the Pandemic Horde ping that told all their oracles and supers to move to SH1 for safe mining space. Kind of made us all giggle quite a lot. I mean, yeah, there, there would have been easier targets out there for sure. And even like on the... So we moved our deployment actually by a day. And when we moved our deployment, 
on that op where it actually was planned, I actually dropped the line saying, uh, oh, yeah, also they're already expecting us to go south, right? Pretending I'm leaking stuff and everyone went crazy about it. And I think south would have been a way easier target, right? Like, let's skill your, skill yourself or, um, like, I don't know, fraternity or whoever, right? Like some, somewhere in that area, anything would have been probably easier to be quite honest. If you look at the map, I don't know what, what could have been a, a, an, a harder target. I don't know. I mean, other than leaving Imperium. Yeah. That's the only target that would be harder, right? So, um, yeah, there would have been uh, way easier targets out there, but we decided to go for uh, for NC and uh, Pierre, or Penfam in general, right? Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right, thanks, guys. The um, last thing we'll talk about is Brangita, and it's happening. It's probably finishing up now. It'll be over by the time this hits broadcast tonight. Um. What do we have statistics on how many things they killed? Do we it care? Was the day one thing, I'm not sure. Uh, day one, it was like 230 billion esque, I think. That's usually the big day, right? So uh, we'll see mm -hmm. what the total sum is. Well, there, probably in there, there's some uh, comedy kill mails from the attacker's point of view. Uh, some people who weren't expecting uh, it to happen because they don't watch programs like this or listen to Eve Uni when they put out broadcasts to play it safe around Jita. Uh, it, it's a big game out there. A lot of people don't uh, have access to the information or want access to all this extra information, so they're caught by surprise, and a lot of them are. Um, seeing seeing what uh, a, a NullSec alliance can do in HiSec, and that's kind of what Bernjina has always been. It's a show of force from uh, NullSec to try to shut down the game's main trade hub. It's uh, just a vehicle to grief dudes, right? Like that's uh it's a, it's a cultural thing. It's, 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 it's I, I definitely appreciate it. This year it seemed like, I don't want to say lackluster, but it seemed uh, smaller than usual. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe because I'm not near Jita at all. So I, I just don't experience it. Yeah. But in previous years, it seemed to be like way more widespread, and way more chaotic. Now maybe people are a little bit too informed, so they they know it's coming. But my favorite part is that uh, a bunch of the goon characters, the, like people, definitely made characters just for it, um, and they go with the the naming scheme beep boop, and then a bunch of ones and zeros, and it just brings me <laughs> endless joy to see just my mental image. And I, I said this uh, in a in a thread somewhere, like I have this mental image of like. 100 goons sitting in like a land cafe or something all yelling beep boop beep boop as they like kill a freighter and it just makes me laugh if you're sad and you need to smile just imagine like a bunch of goons yelling beep boop <laughs> i think we have a recording of uh somebody yelling that uh astrothi's son doing it it's pretty funny uh yeah listen i uh, market tycoon i don't know if we have um a narrative on uh, a lot of no, high sec people don't follow the meta or whatever. I honestly don't know what 75% of this game does. Like they must do a whole, the biggest fight this game has ever seen was nine tack four that had over 10,000 people engaged in it. And there was more than 30,000 people online. Uh, so there's, so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of other people in the game and we don't know what they do or what really surprises them. But uh, yeah, so there's no narrative there. But there, yeah, Bernjita is back. It's uh, over, and 
I just don't think there's much to say on it unless you guys have some. I'm with Elise on this one. I like it. I think it's a cool event. Last year I joined, uh, I joined it even, but this year I didn't really have the chance because I just got back on Saturday from the summit, Saturday evening and such. So I didn't get the chance to uh, join the Japan Jita. They're usually pretty open. Like last year I was just hanging out on comms, on the goon comms and shooting freighters with them. Uh, Jay invited me and then I spoke for some reason. I said something for some reason and like a lot of the goons started freaking out. Wait, was that Kirby? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, what's up guys? And then they're like, what is he doing here? And it was kind of funny. Uh, I, I like the event in general. It's a bit like uh, I said earlier about the inner thing in HK's home um, wormhole. I do appreciate projecting power into the other sectors of the game. Yeah. At that point, I, it is kind of a null sec beating on everybody else in the game, making their life hard for a few days. It does seem like a griefing thing, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that was the that was the whole point when they first started it. And then it became like an economic thing where they'd only, they'd buy up all the jump freighters like a week before, then announce when it was happening and only target jump freighters and then release them. So they made a bunch of money that way. But you know, it's it's part of the the culture of the game, right? Uh, mm. To have this, these little things. So I'm glad that it exists. I also have never lost anything to Gang Cheetah, so I'm probably not. <laughs> yeah. I just watch people die, and of course, I like it. We, well, uh, go ahead, Dark. We deployed. Uh, well, obviously, we deployed during the week, but uh, especially on was it Friday when Burn Cheetah started? We've got a bunch of jump freighters uh, in Cheetah ready to jump stuff over to Conan. And it was just a bit too risky because 10% tie-dye injured. Like if you uh, have any issues on docking, you know, there's a chance you get blapped on the on-dock as well. So it was, uh, it was interesting. So even your own guys. Yeah, there I are didn't. people in the Adrian who don't follow the meta too. I bet you some of those lost freighters are actually alts of people in the Imperium who paid no attention and didn't pay, you know, have no idea why they got shot. Actually, also, shout Ari, out to Jade Cougar in the audience. Thank you. Hi. Ari, who did a lot of seeding for the rage thing too, uh, just winged it and moved uh, Jump Freighter through. Like we have that blue list, but you never know. And then she got tackled with her Jump Freighter and thought, oh shit, so this list doesn't work. But apparently there's some random dudes just, you know, bumping, tackling and stuff because they don't, they don't, they don't know about the list, right? And uh, yeah, so we we are still able to move some jump freighters, but it's a fucking risk for sure. And then during the campaign start, oh god! <laughs> I'm told you could just pay DBRB and then your your freighter is safe. So you should you should get on that. <laughs> How much have All you right. sent himself? I mean, it's only five billion, but it's fine. It's, I've got a I've got this pass, so I can I can move my freighter in peace. Actually, I have no idea what Me. he pretends to charge, but. One Eve player to another, uh, paying ransoms isn't a good idea. Uh, I know from experience. <laughs> All right. Um, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, we did cover the CSM Summit and uh, some of the stuff that's in there. Uh, Evesterdam's coming up on March 21st. Look for announcements there. Uh, the MER shows that 140 trillion has been banned out of the game, which is a ton of isk if you think about it. Uh, we were able to cover the initiative and the NC dot conflict and where that's going and some of the doctrines around pushing. I want to thank uh, Dark Shines and Pando and Killa B, BFC's involved in that fight, and Elise Randolph and Carneros for joining me today. I'm going to open up uh, just a minute here if you guys have any uh, last messages you want to send out to people. 
Come join us in uh, the public channel after the show. That's a good one. And uh, any of you guys, at least Ark or Pando? Well, shout out to the uh, the guys that subbed. I know some people are giving away uh, subs. A great way to support the content of uh, Talking In Station. Oh, yeah. That deserves to be said on the air. And hard name to say because it starts with X, Y, Z, I think. Uh, I'll have to find it. It's not handy. But thank you for uh, gifting out so many subs. It's kind of funny who he was gifting them to. Uh, all these guys around in random. Really appreciate that kind of uh, generosity. Goes to the station. Um, and again, thanks, Pando, for coming. Thanks, Dark. Thanks for having me. Always thanks, great guys. to have you guys. Thank you very much. And Killer B2. Goodbye. All right. That does it for us. Uh, come meet us in the public channel right after the show every Sunday. Um, we're about to jump into there. I want to say thanks again for watching all you guys. We will see you next time on Talking in Stations. <laughs>